Here we go. Folks, this is your host Cameron Ivy of Privacy Please, and thank you so much for tuning in each and every week. If this is your first time, welcome to the show. Tell your friends about it if you like it. If you don't, let's just pretend you didn't listen to it. Thanks again for coming in, and we hope you enjoy the show. Man, look there he is. Hey, man, how's it going, Cameron? I'm doing well. How are you? Oh, you know, it's another day in paradise. Yeah. yeah. Say that again. Now I got to fill back up, make sure I'm all good to go. Of course, at 324, I'm sitting there going, oh, shit, I got to make a drink. I got to go get something. So I race over and I was going to make something called the Jungle Bird. Um, which, they called me in high school, by the way. Which what? They called me in high school. They called you high school? That's what they call me in high school. That's what they Jungle call Bird. you in high school. Oh, <laughs> my mistake. You know, I'm just going to leave that one alone because, you know, <laughs> I could get in trouble if I said anything. <laughs> nah. So the shaker got this off Kickstarter, nice. um, came with a little recipe book, and one of them was a Jungle Bird. Uh, pineapple juice, three different kinds of rums, um, and lime so juice. And I'm all out of lime juice, so I couldn't make it. So then I was like, okay, I'll make a, I'll make the last word, which is lime juice, chartreuse, um, and gin, and maraschino, maraschino li- liqueur. Couldn't make it, no lime juice. So what I'm having is something made with uh, bourbon, uh, triple sec, and lemon juice. And it's called, no, that's not it. It's called Basin Street. Kind of tastes like a basin because it's nice and tart, but you know, there's worse things in life. Man, you are a drink connoisseur. I don't know any of these names. No, I'm man. I just get I just get a glass of whiskey or a glass of vino, and I'm like, well, you know, I raised the I set the bar last year with you guys, so I was like, (laughs) damn, I'm gonna have to come up with something really different, you know. So it's all good. How's plague life been treating you since we last spoke? We spoke, what, was that May? That was June last year, June, July? Was that pre-plague or? I guess that was, I was I, in the midst of plague. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was during COVID, yeah. But it was like, I think it was closer to the, it was not too far into it, right? Right. Yeah, we were a couple months in because I've moved my office around a little bit here. Yeah, you look like you're between two ferns and <laughs> Yoda's in the background there. <laughs> yep, that's baby Yoda. The lightsaber's back here too. Uh, I like I like the ferns. Yeah. So what we should have done, Cam, was we should have started we should have started a a between two ferns style podcast for security. That's next. That's our next one. I so like here, that. watch this. Oh no, it won't work. Um, I've got the uh, the lights um, on uh, voice control, but. Of course you do. What good Sith Lord doesn't? (laughs) (laughs) What good nerd doesn't? You don't know the power of the dark side. But yeah, no. So since, yeah, it was early days of COVID, I think, because I know um, 
Yeah, it was like June, July. I was already making cocktails at that point. So it was the New York Sour. I'd already made that one. So yeah, we were a couple months in at that. I would say June, July, somewhere in there. I'd have to look it up. Yeah, it was to the point where people couldn't judge you for uh, making drinks at, um, on <laughs> and day hours. drinking and all that. Yeah, stuff. right. Wait a second, they're, they're back to judging on that again. Really? <laughs> Did we ever stop? Yeah. Yeah. No one told me about that. So that's all. So what's changed in your world since then, though? You and talking it to the community on on the topics you do um, on on security and, and privacy. What's been different in that last year? Um, different, different in the sense of, well, so in the sense of me presenting and talking and working and all that stuff, I, I think, I think there's certainly from my perspective, an interest in, in how the conversations have changed, right. Um, you know, pre COVID in, 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 indeed, but, uh, but a lot of the evangelism you do is focused very specifically on, on one sector of, of security. How's that, how's that area changed? I mean, in from the securities perspective, I mean, you know, you got more people working from home and a lot more people are getting attacked and routers are getting hit. There was a report I was reading yesterday that, you know, it, the percentage was went significantly up. I mean, what was the, what was that figure? Hang on. I had it. 210% increase in home attacks. Um, you're talking almost 3 billion people that you know, that are being impacted. They're going after the routers. They know, you know, if you, you know where somebody in an organization of prominence lives, mm. you can then start using OSINT and open source intelligence and start yeah. figuring out where that person lives and then figure out what cable company they've got. And lo and behold, start figuring out ways to target them. You know, with people at home, they're distracted. You know, yeah, we we jokingly talk about the day drinking, um, but people are genuinely distracted. They're stressed. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I've gone through some of that over this last year, you know, being being honest. Um, you know, you get into the routine every day. It's you get up, you feed the cats, you clean the litter box, you make the coffee, then you come into your office and you do work and then you come out and you have lunch and then uh, end of the day, you feed the cats again and then you sit on the couch, watch some TV, fall asleep, go to bed, wake up, rinse, James, wash James, you, you let the cats make you do that before you make coffee? <laughs> that's, so that's- here's the thing. I walk out of the bedroom door and the three of them are all sitting there at the end of the hallway waiting for someone to come out. I've tried making the coffee first, but they're all over me. They're all on the counter and then I got to throw them on the floor. And it's just, it's a lot easier just to feed them. And then I can make my coffee. I can relate. But more people are, are certainly distressed. They're the distractions, you know, with the stay at home kids for school, you know, there's a lot more focus on that. They want you, the parents' attention. Then the email box fills up. And then at the end of the day, they're trying to clear it out because people have that nature, that mindset where they can feel comfortable at the end of the day, if they've gone through and they've cleared out the inbox. And so they're rushing through them and, you know, they're, they may not be taking that uh, more thoughtful process, clearing out the inbox and just wanting to get rid of stuff. They see something, what the heck is this click, boom, done. 
Um, and lo and behold, and, and the scarier thing is, is people have their work computers at home. Yeah. Hopefully people are using those work computers just for work, not letting the kids get on and play Minecraft or get on there and, you know, and play games or, or just use the computer. Um, yeah, there was, um, it was interesting. I don't know if anybody watched the flight attendant, um, the series with Kaylee Cuoco, not the fact that Kaylee was in it, but there was a side story in it where one of the other characters um, was approached by somebody from another nation state's government and wanted her to copy secrets or information off her husband's computer who worked for the government. Um, and so the husband would bring the computer home and she would jump on eBay and be buying stuff. Um, why they didn't have their own computer at home. I government salary wasn't good enough. I don't know, but for the story to kind of work, she wanted to buy some stuff from eBay. And so we had to bring his laptop home and she, um, he brings it home and she plugs in a thumb drive and downloads all this sensitive data and then tries to go sell it. And, you know, it, it, when I, he got caught and anyway, it goes on from there, but you know, that whole notion of bringing your computer home and having it at home, you're going to, it makes it a lot harder on the IT folks because they no longer have, you know, the building, protections and the the network protections it's now relying on everybody's router connections and hoping their home networks are secure for the most part i think a lot of people's networks are secure are, are fine um the way that they're designed um but in general it's uh yeah it, it's kind of been a rough year for a lot of folks mentally physically emotionally so um hopefully you know the lights at the end of the tunnel i think i think now with all the vaccinations and those folks that want to get vaccinations we won't have that discussion uh are um you know we start getting people more and more people vaccinated and then okay great they start dropping the restrictions people can start traveling again you know and guilty i'm ready to hit the road um, i'm ready to hit the road too let's hope that light at the end of the tunnel isn't another train though <laughs> yeah sometimes... here comes covid 21 right yeah. <laughs> so finding out where someone lives right has never been that difficult digitally right, right. it's just never traditionally been that difficult however you do highlight something though which is that now the impetus to do that is increased if that's your target location because you're now working from home mm -hmm. right where sure finding it out in the past and attacking me relatively slim to nil but if i am being targeted now there's there's an OSINT has also been around for a while like you know open source intelligence gathering has been it's been, been around for quite some time um you know, we even automated a bunch of it with like Maltigo years ago, right? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, no, no, no connection to them. I just lo love the product. Been yep, using good product. Yep. Yeah, yeah, good so solid tool. Um, but now the thought that my privacy is being attacked because of because my security is is under attack and that my location has changed, I feel like that's that's a worry that we're also not. I don't know. If we're having that conversation. Yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of people, well, here's a fun story. So speaking of COVID and at the beginning of COVID and everybody's, um, you know, trying to get into the routines and, you know, working from home and being all that. One of the big surges that cropped up last year, TikTok. Don't come at me. <laughs> it, it was a TikTok is kind of one of those things that I've realized is like YouTube. 
you know, Facebook, Twitter, everybody posts, you know, you're going to, some people just get on there, whether you're on there or not, it's another story, but putting privacy aside, but people are on there sharing their daily lives, going to dinner or family vacations, whatever. And everybody does that on Facebook more and people do it on Twitter, but YouTube I've noticed is very much a creator's um, domain where people that want to create content, they're going on TikTok. you know, same thing with YouTube. They want to create content, you know, how to fix your garage door opener, how to hook up your computer, how to make that souffle that you can watch all those videos on YouTube. The TikTok um, platform is more about the 15 seconds to one minute worth of content of a story, a video, a lip sync, some funky dance, whatever it may be. Well, and there is a point I'm getting to the story. So get on TikTok last last spring or whenever the heck it was, March. And I got on, I was on for a couple months and there was a couple, I'm not going to mention the, the, the avatar, their handle or anything, but there was a particular couple that I found that would come on and do riddles and jokes. And um, they did Q and a where they would be riddling, giving people riddles and, and puzzles and those kind of things. And it was cute. It was fun. I would see them on a regular, you know, the algorithm, every time I'd come on, they'd have something new on there and I'd see it. And I don't know what led me to it, but I noticed they had their name that they had was completely and I was nothing to do with who they were. But the interesting thing was, is within TikTok, you can link to your Instagram account. So then I was able to connect to their Instagram account. And when on their Instagram account, the wife had her name there. And I'm like, oh, there's her name. Okay, cool. All right. And then it linked also to, I think, a Venmo or some other payment. You click on that. Now I got her name and I got her location. So I was like, huh, okay. So OSIN powers come, you know, you lot kicked in. And not only was I able to figure out where, what city they were in, I figured out exactly what house they were in. I was able to figure out salaries. I was able to figure out where they lived beforehand, where they got married, their family members. And I did that in about 30 minutes worth of searching. Um, anybody with any type of OSINT experience or Google dorking capabilities could probably figure out the same thing. But it was just kind of one of those, it was like, ooh. It's kind of like a puzzle. Let's see how much information I can find about somebody. I mean, you go out and Google James Greg and you're going to find a whole bunch of stuff. I know because I've put it out there or it's all my presentations and speeches or podcasts. So that's cool. Um, But just finding out all that information, people are sharing more and more. And like on TikTok, YouTube, not as much because they keep it to their, what they're creating content on. But a lot of the time on TikTok, they'll be like, yeah, so here I am going to my local Walmart and I can see all the license plates. Now I know what state you're in. Now I can start with the name. I can start whittling that down and figure out where you are. You get somebody that wants to stalk or have malicious intent, that kind of information starts getting out. And now how much privacy can you claim that you should have based on how much information you're sharing, even though you're doing it because it brings you joy, you love all the the likes you're getting, you're getting all the feedback, good, bad, or indifferent. Um, what's that worth? What's that trade-off worth? And so on a personal level, on a human level, you know, you I don't think a lot of folks realize that. Now, there is one um, other creator. Um, she does a whole bunch of lip syncing. Uh, she makes up her face. Uh, I was like kind of curious. I'm like, oh, I wonder what her name is because she doesn't use a name. It's a nickname. And I went digging and I did about 20 minutes worth of digging and I couldn't figure even find her name. So I was like, okay, this girl's doing it right. 
Um, so I, I texted her kind of, uh, sent her a message through the thing and said, Hey, whatever you're doing, keep doing it from a security privacy standpoint. Uh, cause you're doing a good job. So whether that means anything to her, probably not, but, um, but yeah, so with the social media going on, people being at home, they're, you know, they're probably sharing a lot more than they should be, but you know, it is what it is. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you to deliver a hot take because to quote the $6 million man, we have the technology. So, so should TikTok be filtering out that type of visual sensitive data on their platform? Because we can automatically identify a license plate number, right? Mm-hmm. Like visual, like we can do that. Should they automatically pick up on that in your TikTok and blur it out, replace it, right? Like what, what's the onus that we're going to put on the platform to protect our privacy, even though the content creators are the ones putting it out there. Well, I mean, you could turn around and say, ask that of any of the platforms, right? You could look, whether you look at Facebook or Twitter or, or, or TikTok, you know, you, there's the wonderful end user license agreement that everybody skips over. And I'm sure there's something in there and they've changed it that says, whatever you post, we're not responsible for, we're just providing it for you. Kind of like, you know, they, you buy a car from, you know, a car manufacturer, a car dealership, and you drive it and you end up killing somebody for art. Is that the responsibility of you, the driver, or is that the responsibility of the car company? If something went wrong with the car that caused that accident to happen, that's different. When you're on the social media platform, if you're posting information and data that reveals privacy and then something happens you go oh but they figured it out because of the platform why wasn't the platform protecting us why were you protect why were you posting such sensitive information in the first place um i think the onus goes back on the person um on that on that on the person to be aware of what you're posting you know you realize you're sharing this with the world think of it like and it's what i would tell the grade school kids when i used to give the school presentations talking about Instagram, talking about Snapchat, anything you post online is there forever. And anything you post, you've got to imagine that it's going to show up on a highway billboard and millions of people are going to see it. If you're fine with that, then you want to make sure that you understand what kind of information they can get from it. And I think a lot of people aren't aware of that. Our government puts up uh, guardrails along the side of the highways. Is is there an argument to be made that we can't just wholly turn, make this the consumer's problem? So the, and I'm, and I'm obviously yeah, getting yeah. at a regulation. Yeah. Right? Like, like, yeah. like, and whether or not I believe we should have more or less regulation, I think the real question is, is is the is the onus of privacy even though we're given these these vehicles should it really live it is where it lives now and you're right that's i'm sure that eula told me that when i didn't read it um, <laughs> but that, where it should be like should i should i really be allowed to be in charge of that like some mornings it's hard just to make coffee before the cats kill you am <laughs> i the one you want in charge of that why the why am I the one in charge of feeding the cats? No. Oh. <laughs> why am I the one in charge of trying to decide what regulations for privacy? <laughs> yeah, no, you bring up the guardrails because you know the government builds the roads. And when somebody's doing 90 miles an hour trying to go around a curve and going down the hill, and 
you know, they end up skidding off the highway and people go, oh, the government should have put up some protections to prevent somebody from driving off the cliff. It takes somebody dying before they do anything. There's not that react, that proactive that, hey, you know, if people are driving down here real fast, maybe we should put up guardrails and sand pits and that kind of thing. So on, on, from a privacy standpoint, when you're sitting on TikTok or you're on, the government would then have to come in and regulate it on an on an environment that they didn't create. The government made the roads. And I know we're picking off the analogy here, but you know, when you've got all these organizations, these private companies that are creating, that are creating providing the platform, the environment for the people, should they be then going through and putting in protections to help the people um they do i think with regards to and some people would say they're doing way too much with regards to the censorship that's going on and i'm not going to get into left right up down back to front uh politics on this but you know you look at the january 6th events and that's all i need to say but you look at that and the amount of platforms that went through and started shutting down accounts and disabling them for the good reason for the bad reason, whatever, depending on your viewpoint. But now I've actually started seeing a lot more of the censorship for things because either their algorithms aren't picking it up properly or something. But my um, my wife belongs to a particular group on Facebook that deals with um, issues and events that deal with that happen that occur to women in their later ages. Um, trying not to get too specific, but because they're talking about certain things that go on with their bodies, um, Facebook flags that and censors it and shuts it down and they have to go through an appeal. And this is a group that's trying to share information to help the, each other, mm-hmm. not trying to stage an attack or get, get a group of people together or do whatever good, bad, or indifferent, but they're, they are having their right. They're having their information shut down because of this particular company thinks that, Oh no, that's, that's shouldn't be said. And that needs to be censored. And then they got to go through an appeal process. And then that takes time because maybe now a human gets involved, you know, so they're putting up roadblocks, but they're also putting up, you know, you're going down a hill and you can only go down the hill at 25 miles an hour when you can't do that without killing your brakes. So what they're having to look for that middle ground to see what's going to work with those guardrails, with the censorship, with the prohibited items, with, you know, whether they start putting in technology to blur out license plates or people's faces. Um, There was a, there's a new platform out there called Clubhouse. You know, we're throwing all kinds of great companies out there, but Clubhouse has come out and it's all audio meetups. I've been on, it's kind of cool. I've done a, uh, I did one last Friday night, a cybersecurity the the cyber the psychology psychological dynamics of cybersecurity fun topic great time um, one of the things I ended up seeing earlier this week on Twitter was somebody stating um, if you join a platform and you provide all your contacts then you need to notify the everybody in your contact list that um, that you're sharing that information and I kind of sat there and went hmm yeah but do you do that with every social platform that, cause that person, I know that person's on Twitter now, whether they share their contacts with Twitter, I, I don't know, but do, should that now be something that we as have to go through when we get on the clubhouse, if you want to invite other people, they got to have access to your contacts. Um, and they're apparently the recording and, you know, all these other privacy issues that are going on there. 
are they going to start censoring and shutting down groups because of certain things that they may be discussing good, bad, or indifferent. Um, so yeah, when you start looking at those platforms, you start looking at privacy to be able to protect and isolate the data. There's also that line right now that's gray area where there's the censorship of eliminating things that should be or shouldn't be. So that was the short answer. You want the long answer now? No, no, that was, I didn't <laughs> respond to your short answer. Uh, first, I didn't realize you were in Clubhouse. I, I'm, I'm just getting on the platform myself. I got my invite. I just, I just followed you. So, yay. Well, welcome to the Clubhouse. Um, but you bring up exactly what I'm getting at, which is in the real world, right? That guardrail scenario. Yes, the, right. the government's built the roads. And the point that you were just making about these, these platforms getting deplatformed is that they are getting their access to the roads removed, right? Right. And so I kind of feel like that's the question is, if if the vehicle is TikTok and the roads are the internet, then should they or should they not be saying, ah, you're letting you're letting James go at 70 miles an hour and man, he's really no good above 30, right? <clears throat> um, and if you if you keep pulling on this on this same string and this same analogy, the the roads are ultimately only owned by you know roughly twelve or so DNS servers, if you would, right? Twelve DNS servers. I think the number is twelve. Um, the internet can operate without DNS, of course, which is to say, you know, I can still find your destination by IP address, but no one no one just goes to the Google IP address. You go to Google.com. And if you look at the list of the operators of those root servers, it's Verisign, it's mm-hmm. the University of Maryland, it's, U- it's the U.S. Department of Defense, Nick, it's U.S. Army Research, it's Veris, it's uh, what, what else is on that list there? ICANN, right? Right. Um, it's mostly U.S. owned for starters. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of government control there. So that's the road. Why shouldn't they? Why shouldn't they regulate the road? Because we pay our taxes, we pay towards those roads. We don't pay for TikTok, Clubhouse, Facebook, or Twitter. That's we right. we are the product. That's the right. Um, you know, and so it's like, all right, crap. Well, there goes that, that analogy. But you know, we we <laughs> we pay the if we paid for the service, if people had to pay to do use the social media platforms, would then it be different? But I think because we're the product, whether you're looking at Google, Facebook you know, all the different platforms, Snapchat, you don't pay for those. Um, LinkedIn, you can pay the premium service, but, you know, are they sharing that kind of information? That I don't know. But, um, you know, we end up being the product to these corporations, whereas the government is created for the people, by the people. And and I'm, we're kind of, probably splitting hairs on this, but, um, but you look at the government as an entity that's there to provide programs, environments, whatever for us to, you know, thrive in the community and, 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 and then we pay our taxes and, you know, we have a home and, and, and so forth. Whereas with social media, it's that, that's exactly what it is. It's a social platform. It's an environment where you're sharing media Videos, pictures, text, whatever it may be, about your life to share with friends. People want to have a certain expectation of privacy. Um, but when you turn over that information, and this is, this is what I tell everybody, when you turn over that information, it's not yours anymore. It belongs to them. Um, it's going to get shared. It's going to get posted. It's the, I mean, the whole Cambridge Analytica that woke up everybody going, oh, my gosh, this is all being shared. I mean, that stemmed GDPR. 
to come about where, you know, if you want to see what information they got to show you and they've got to do it in a certain amount of time, you know, that was the government stepping in to be able to protect its citizens from the big, bad social media companies. Right. And um, I think you nailed it there. Right? You, we, and it's a good reminder from a privacy perspective that if uh, the service is free, you are giving something up in exchange for that quote unquote free service. Yep. Let's go back a little bit. Hey guys, I'm still here. I'm soaking it in. And I, I so I, I want to go back to your, I mean, it's basically what we've been talking about, but let's think about it in the sense of anyone that, that uses TikTok, which is probably the younger generation and some of the parents of those, those younger generations. <laughs> yeah. To <laughs> see what they're looking cool. at, to see what they're doing. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, Karen, nobody wants to see you dance. Um, so what my question is, is do they even care? I mean, that is a good the, question. Most of the people that, and, and, and the funny thing is, is the ones that complain are the ones, like you said, are the ones just doing their thing. But you did find that, that girl that you couldn't find anything on when you were digging on her. But I wonder if she even knew that, if she even knows that she's somehow made herself discreet from, from the internet. I think so, because otherwise she would have used her name. Because when I go and look at other accounts, it was very easy to find. They might keep their screen name different, but because they link all their other accounts in there as well, then uh, once I start tapping into those other accounts, then I can find the information. With this this one uh, creator, I couldn't. I was digging down. She didn't have a lot attached to her TikTok account. Um, she had. She had some Amazon, uh, she had an Amazon link, a wish list, but that wasn't based off her name that used her screen name. Mm-hmm. And Amazon does hide, you know, the real name information behind that. Um, I didn't do an extensive amount of digging. I started poking, poking, poking. I was scratching at the surface and I wasn't finding anything. And I was like, well, okay. All right. You know, if I started to really start digging, I could probably start going through all of her pictures, all of her Instagram, you know, YouTube videos and start looking for little other tidbits of information to try and dig up from that. But I think people that go through and try to hide themselves with through screen names and different things and kind of keep the same video backdrop. Mm -hmm. um, They're not posting videos of them walking around town or, or going here or going there. Um, There's another one that I want that shows up on my feed. That's a cosplayer. Uh, mm-hmm. used to do a lot of cosplay makeup and stuff. And it was always, you know, in front of a mirror kind of a thing, but then she started posting herself around town and going different places. And all of a sudden it's like, okay, I want to relive, um, you know, and that kind of stuff. It's like you, a lot of the time as there, and I'm no psychologist, but I'm only my opinion where they start, it, it's kind of the dopamine effect where they start getting all these connections. They start getting the followers. You hit a million followers on TikTok and you're doing something good with your content. But then the problem becomes now you have a million people commenting on your, your information mm-hmm. and they want to keep their, we'll say fans happy. And so they're like, Hey, what's your day, normal day like? And so people they they want to make their fans happy. So then they start showing yep. Yeah, so I got Vlogs. up this morning and sorry, Vlogs. Yeah, they start doing their their video logs. Yeah, their vlogs. Where I got up this morning, did my hair, went over, picked up the mail, did this, went over to the supermarket, saw my aunt, blah blah blah, and they start sharing all their information about the day. And I I'm sitting there going, 
that's nice. I didn't know that, you know, let's see what your new cosplay makeup looking like, you know, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, so then they start expanding. There's another one. I've started seeing people that started a year ago that have picked up the 500,000 million plus followers. Um, and you know, they're starting to share more about their day and more of their personal life. And I'm like, you don't want to be doing that, but but then there's another one who's got like 14 million. I kid you not 14 million followers. Um, all I know is she's based out of Canada. Um, but she just keeps doing her content. She just create, she makes these, she's got like this slew of characters. She just goes through and you see little stories and vignettes about these characters, but she just sticks to that. Um, you know, she's not sharing more information um, outside of that. So, you know, it's, it's going to come down to what they're aware of um, what rules they know about and whether they stick to it. Let me ask you this for, for people that are, I guess, dangerous. I mean, first of all, this day and age, this is, it's gotta be a gold mine for stalkers, for, for serial killers, for, you know, crazy people compared to the seventies and eighties or whatever. But Um, do you think it would even matter nowadays just because of the technology that people can get their hands on that even if they're not, if someone's not on TikTok, if someone's not, if they're just on Facebook or just something simple, even MySpace, no, but, uh, I mean, you could still find that person. You could still find where they live where, you know, so with my experience of doing OSINT and I'm not as deep into it as a lot of other people are, I'm, but I've done, I've been playing with it, uh, over the last nine months. Pretty well, if you've bought a house, I can find information about you. Mm-hmm. If you bought a car, we can find information about you. If there's, you've had a speeding ticket, you've had, sorry, you've committed a felony, we can find information. Um, you know, one of the things, it, I did a, uh, a segment for the local university a couple of years ago. They had a news channel and I did went in and talked about cybersecurity. And it was weird. I remember they'd give me the questions ahead of time and I'm sitting there. And we get to the end and she's like, if there's one thing you could share with anybody, what would it be? What would be the one tip everybody needs to do when they're using the internet? And I don't know what it was, but something clicked in the back of my head. doesn't happen very often, but something clicked in the back of my head. And I went, Google yourself. And she kind of went, she, she sat back. I remember seeing her reaction. She kind of sat back puzzled. Um, and after we got done, and then I explained the concept. And after we got done, she goes, I'd never heard that. You know, I kind of figured you were going to say something about passwords or accounts or something, but Google yourself. I never thought about doing that. I said, you as a news person, um, journalists use it. You know, when you go out and Google, you got to look for somebody, look for information. Google is your friend. And if there's different ways you can do it. So I always tell people Google and I even get my students to do it because I'm teaching at the college. One of the the last things we do in the semester is a, is a class on OSINT and um social engineering and the OSINT aspect deals with them going out and Googling their name, their name and their address, their name and their phone number, their name and the birthday. I don't ask them for the results because I don't need it, but I ask them for, you know, what kind of feedback did they find? I ask them what they're, did they expect to find that information? Uh, And if they didn't, you know, uh, what did, you know, was there anything disturbing that they found and so forth? Um, because there's a lot of information, you know, when, I mean, even if I Google my name and of course all your listeners are probably going to start doing it now and finding all this or their own name or your names. But when you go out and find my name, you find my photography, 
little business that I've got. You find that I teach at Valencia. You find, you might find out where I live because if you do white pages or you or the phone number. Um, but that's information that I know that's up there, and I'm okay with it at this time. Uh, but in the event that I had to, if I were to ever have to get rid of it, um, I have ways and I have steps and I have documentation and, and procedures and stuff to be able to do it. But as a OSINT privacy person, really, I should be starting now. Uh, you want to be proactive and not reactive if you have to make yourself private. Um, but the information that when I go out and Google three, four pages deep, that information is, I know that's out there, it's public. But if you go out and find something that you don't like, then you need to go about reaching out to that website and looking at trying to get that information removed. You know, with white pages, you can get the information suppressed with, um, you know, if you delete and cancel out your Facebook account, you know, you can go through a process to make them remove it. There's a whole slew of different things that you can do to remove your data if you find it online. Gabe, anything to add there before we, uh, I know we're coming up on time, but. Um, Holy cow. Oh, I think the thing that I, I really would love, because I love to leave our listeners with, you know, actionable things. Can we hit them with a couple of things that they can do to be like that lady who who didn't leave these digital traces of themselves behind, you know, people like you and I, I use this strategy as well too, for, for both intentional, unintentional reasons of putting more noise on the wire mm -hmm. yep. than, uh, than the average person. So yeah, if you, if you try to find things about me, you're, you're going to find what I want you to find. You're find. Right. right. It's very intentional. And I even curate a lot of things off of the internet very intentionally. Right. Um, but, but everyone's not you and I, what can they do? So first of all, I mean, if you want to create, if you're going to be on TikTok, you're going to be on Snapchat. Um, those type of platforms, um, you probably can get away with a different name. However, Facebook, Amazon, Twitter, I think Twitter, um, you have to use your real name because you got to verify it. You got to, you know, give a phone number. They, they don't want fake names, profiles. You know, in OSINT, we have sock puppets where, you know, you create yourself your own persona because you use that to go searching, um, not your own real name and, and everything else. And so, you know, the actionable items, you know, for people to take away from this, one, go out and Google yourself, find out the information that's on there. If you're going to go on TikTok, you want to use your real name, fine, but don't put anything more than that. Don't link any of the other accounts to it. Don't link Instagram. Keep everything separate, um, which kind of leads me to thinking about when it comes to browsers, in the browser world, they're now getting to the point where, hey, you've just logged into this account. Do you want us to save the password for you? Chrome, Firefox, Edge, they'll do it. Um, my answer to that is no. Um, and the reason for that is you want to kind of keep things separate. It's kind of like if you're going to have your social media profile, don't link it to all your other, other, your other accounts, your Snapchat or your Instagram or whatever, your Twitter. Clubhouse does the same thing. They want to connect to Twitter. They want to connect to Facebook. I wish they'd connect to LinkedIn. It'd be better. But anyway, you want to keep those things isolated. Um, one particular hacker that I know, when they get in onto a browser, the first thing they go after is all the usernames and passwords that are stored in that browser. They say they're encrypted, but if you're already logged in, it doesn't matter. They've got access now to be able to get to it. So use a separate password manager. There's my cheesy plug. Any of the ones that are out there. But having your password separate, you know, that helps keep your information private because if they get into the browser, that's a smorgasbord and everything for them. So, you know, use different names on your social media if you want. Um, you know, 
unless it's something that you're going to start creating content, well, then you're going to have to share with everybody what that other nickname or screen name or whatever it is that you're using. But if you can keep your different accounts isolated, always log in with an email address, you know, that way you're not connecting because a lot of the times you'll go into certain sites and says, hey, log in with your Facebook account. Well, now Facebook gets all that data that you're providing to that other platform. You know, you if you can keep it isolated, when it comes time that you're done with that particular platform, you can shut down the account and they don't have any other hooks in any other locations. And then that helps to keep your information that much more private and safe-ish. That's, that's some great advice, especially... Uh the browser security we we did some we did some uh plugging of some open tools for browser security a while back and i think we should update some of that um oh yeah lot, it's very easy to hook someone's browser and yes to your point it's 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 pretty yep. much game over i can get everything that's good to know because i'm doing a, a, a <laughs> i'm doing a presentation uh that's going to be a no before on-demand webinar uh <laughs> called browser security how to search how to surf safely on the internet. Uh, and I talk about uh, things, t- 10 things, nine or 10 things you can do to be safe online. Um, so uh, some of the things talk about ad blockers, um, the tracking uh, sites. Um, ironically, one of the best browsers to use for a uh, privacy standpoint is Brave. And that's, my, that's what I found in my research. Um, when you go look at sites, one of the big things people don't realize is fingerprinting. Yeah, and not this, but the information about your browser, your IP address, your brow- your operating system, all that information, plugins you've got, that all gets coughed up to these websites. You use Brave, and all they get is a bra- is your they get your IP address, and then your browser type. That's all it coughs up. Nothing else. Um, not the operating system, not any plugins you're using, any of that stuff. Um, you know, and the weird thing is, is sometimes they'll get browser dimensions. And for about a second and a half, I'm like, who cares what size my, oh, because the dimensions on here are a lot different than this versus an iPad versus a laptop screen. So now they know what kind of machine you're coming from. So if a browser knows that and somebody can develop malware, they can target specific dimensions for an iPhone, for an Android phone, for MacBooks, for Windows. Yeah. So I was like, crafty. (laughs) You can use that for fingerprinting also, right? Like I resize my browser. And if I visit 10 different pages and it's at that exact browser size, which is different than everyone else's, right? Because it's going to be, yeah, then you know, that's me too. So Um, yes, Brave is an awesome, awesome one. The EFF, the Electronic Freedom Foundation, they've got a couple of really good privacy plugins that will will help everything from uh, HTTPS everywhere to, uh, to privacy badger, privacy badger. Yes. Like that one. Yeah. They've Mm -hmm. got one or two more too. So plug the EFF all day long. Definitely. All right. So now I know we're short on time. A couple fun questions. Wrap it up. Sure. Bring it. Yes. All right, ring the bell, turn the key. Didn't say I was going to answer, but anyway, go on. Let's hear some cheers. Oh, you're going to answer. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on a sec. Let me finish this off. <laughs> okay. No. Uh, we'll start easy. Um, what is your number one on your bucket list? What is number one? And have you done it yet? Number one on the bucket list? Um, 
want to go to the Southern Hemisphere, Australia, South America, Chile, Argentina. I know one of them was a con, two of them are continents, um, but love to get out to Australia. Love to get down to Chile and Argentina, go visit them. Um, yeah, it's right now it's all about travel. I, it's, that's stuff I really want to do. Maybe drive a Ferrari, Lamborghini. All right. Full speed. Just close your eyes and let it roll. <laughs> sure. Why not? Uh, if you were to make a time capsule today for, for you to open in 10 years, what would you put in there? Oh, wow. I'd probably say pictures of my kids, but I'm probably still going to have those in 10, those same pictures in 10 years. Um, the same kids. Huh? In the same kids. They're the same kids. Yeah. And the, 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 the smartphone will have all the pictures for me, but um, a time capsule for 10 years, what would I put in there? Um, probably some ele- old electronics that I've already got just cause then I can look back. Um, maybe a book from today's current time and events. Um, Maybe, maybe an Apple watch. I don't know. Then see what it'd be like looking in 10 years. Cause I think back 10 years, 2010 to the iPhone, what was out then, you know, that's, that's a relic. Um, I don't know, maybe go buy some uh, cryptocurrency, put that on a hard drive and put that in the time capsule. Cause 10 years from now, it could be worth thousands of dollars instead of the couple of bucks I bought. It's fair. I, mean, I just, um, I just remember the guy that could, that forgot his password to that wallet that was worth $25 million or whatever the heck it was. Oh gosh. Um, this might be a deep question, but I'm curious of your thought. Um, do you think all humans are addicted to something? All humans addicted to something. I think in our nature, we have, um, an ability to be addicted to something or have a desire and attraction to something, you know, for some people it's coffee. First thing in the morning before you feed the cats for other people, it's movies, other people, it's going to be making cocktails for other people. It's going to be um, building things for other people. Yeah. You're going to have something as humans in our human nature. We have a desire to either achieve things or um, do things on a regular basis. And so there's that, you know, whether it's a good addiction or a bad addiction, that addiction is, you know, is that's what makes us up who we are. Okay. Oh, I like that question. I'll have to steal that one. Thanks. I didn't make it, but <laughs> thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm, I'm getting curious of how I want to uh, phrase this question in, in one sentence. How would you describe the internet or privacy? You can take either direction or privacy on the internet. Privacy. Yeah. Privacy on the internet in one sentence. Can't be a run on. (laughs) (laughs) No comma splices. Yeah. No semicolons in there. Privacy on the internet. Wow. Um, Yeah. That's a good one. Probably it's not as protected as you think. So be careful what you post. That's okay. wrong one sentence. I'll play two words, an illusion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, It's fair. I'll agree to that. Yeah. All right. Well, James, as always, 
James, thank so, you for coming uh, back. Love you, man. You're awesome, and we we really appreciate your time. So awesome to have you. Yeah, oh, you're you're just going to be a reoccurring guest regardless, so I'm sure we'll have you back on this year. Thank you very much. If not, I'll come back for Series 3. You know, I, I, Kudos to you guys on your first season and, and now coming back for whether you call it season number two or not. But, um, yeah, I, I, it's uh, it's always great to see it pop up uh, on the feed and go, yes, they got somebody else on. Or, hey, I know that person. Or, oh, haven't met that person. Let's go listen. Um, awesome. But, yeah, kudos to you guys and, and keep up the great work. Thank you for the support. Thank you very much. We, we see you watching. We see you listening. So thank oh, yeah. you. Cam, before we go out, what's the name of the show? What's the name of the show? The name of the show. We're gonna do the intro. We're gonna do the intro. What's the name of the show? Oh well, uh, if if nobody knows who we've been talking to, you guys clearly are new listeners. But this is James McQuigan. It's a series part two conversations of privacy and security. So it's pretty much that's pretty much it. Right here on Privacy Please podcast with Cameron Ivy and Gabe Gumps. Ooh, all right. We'll let you. We'll let you guys sign off with our smooth voices. And James, thank you again. Um, always going to be a friend. And uh, I'm going to have to learn some drinks from you because you know your you know your stuff. Share some of these in person. That should happen sooner than later. Honestly, yes. Yeah. We talked about that last time. That needs to happen soon. Um, I'm yeah, definitely will happen soon. Nice. Let's do the thing, gentlemen. James, thank you again so much. We appreciate it. Always my pleasure. Great session. I just wanted to thank all of you out there for tuning in each and every week and to all of our amazing guests for coming on. I I know that there are millions of other shows and it means the world to have you with us on this journey. We are so grateful that you choose to listen to us each and every week. If you like the show, tell a friend, have them tell their friends, and then maybe make some new friends along the way uh, so we can continue to spread the word and keep learning together. Let's protect what matters most. And by the way, DJ... Can you go ahead and drop that outro beat and keep it classy? We'll see y'all next week.